Welcome to the podcast where we answer the question, that's healthy? This is your host, Hope Brandt. Social media has really done a doozy on our perception of health and wellness, and I want to help set the record straight. Quick fixes and fad diets? Unachievable beauty standards? Extreme fitness challenges that leave you more broken than when you started? I'll pass. Taking ownership of your choices, treating your body and mind with respect, filling your life with things and people that lift you up instead of tear you down. Yeah, that's healthy. And that's exactly what you'll find here. Let's start the show. Welcome back to the show. Today we are going to delve into a topic that can be (laughs) extremely nuanced and that can contain a lot of nitty-gritty details, but I really want to keep this very absorbable and easy to understand and easy to apply. So today we're going to talk about four ways to take care of our metabolism even when we are actively pursuing weight loss. So I'm going to talk about metabolism in this context of maintaining it to the best of our ability while we are trying to lose weight. Because inherently, as we lose mass, that decreases our caloric needs, which decreases the amount of mass that our metabolism has to maintain, which decreases our metabolic needs. So as we're going through this process of weight loss, our caloric needs, our energy needs do lessen. But There are four key principles that we can employ even when we are actively pursuing weight loss that will help to keep our metabolism super active and help keep our energy needs as high as possible, which is beneficial for a lot of reasons. (laughs) When we can focus on these four key elements, it helps our metabolism stay active and at a healthy rate because um, we want to be eating as much as possible while still producing the results that we want to see. That's the whole point. So if we're doing things that kind of come back and shoot us in the foot or bite us in the butt when we're trying to lose weight that negatively impact our metabolism, then that's just going to make achieving our goal in the long run much, much, much harder and can even do some pretty severe damage that could be completely unavoidable if we follow these four principles. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And I also, of course, just want to talk about weight loss and really achieving any type of aesthetic or body composition goal through the lens of just having some perspective around it and, and approaching it with balance and sustainability. Because while aesthetic goals, weight loss goals, they're not, you know, what like gets me out of bed in the morning. It's not my absolute favorite thing to talk about because I feel like there are things that go into nutrition that can be so much more powerful and impactful than just looking at how it affects our body composition or how we can use it to produce weight loss. There's so much inherent benefit behind adjusting your nutrition to include more beneficial baseline habits. You know, it can improve so many different health markers, decrease your disease risk, help you just feel so much better overall that 
again, reducing it to just a tool to manipulate your weight is doing nutrition as a whole a vast disservice. So I think it's just always important to know that (laughs) changing the way your body looks is not ever going to be a reason that can hold enough water to actually create lifelong sustainable change. There has to be some sort of deeper why and some more impactful reasoning behind adjusting your nutrition. Definitely seeing body composition changes, achieving weight loss goals can be super gratifying. It can feel really good to see your body change or to hit different goals and, you know, like a very tangible way that you can see and grasp and comprehend, like seeing your scale weight go down or buying a smaller size of pants or something like that. It can be very clear evidence that what you're doing is working if, you know, losing weight or changing your body composition is your goal. But The benefits that come from focusing on your nutrition and creating a sustainable and balanced and enjoyable (laughs) nutritional approach, there are some way, way, way bigger and more important benefits that can come from that than just seeing your body change. So again, I don't think there's anything wrong with aesthetic goals at all. That can definitely be an element of motivation for wanting to hone in on your nutrition a little bit more. But there's so much more that goes into nutrition and and creating a sustainable practice. So I really just kind of wanted to (laughs) enter in from that perspective, even though we are going to be talking about weight loss and supporting our metabolism through that process in this podcast episode. All right, let's go ahead and dive in and We're going to start with just metabolism in general. And again, this is going to be a very kind of high-level overview of these processes. There's so much detail that goes into all of this stuff. But again, I want to keep this extremely understandable and applicable. So when we're talking about metabolism, when I say support your metabolism, Metabolism is the chemical processes that occur within a living organism in order to maintain life. How those processes occur is influenced by myriad factors. It's going to be influenced by age in the sense of (laughs) as we age, a lot of times we lose muscle mass. So there's a correlation there that our metabolism can slow as we age. Although research has shown that if you maintain strength training, which spoiler alert, that's going to be one of the big principles that we talk about. Your metabolism really doesn't slow that much before the age of 60. So just keep that in mind that while age can be a factor, it's mainly because aging is correlated with muscle loss, which slows your metabolism, not inherently changing your metabolism. Okay. So influenced by age, influenced by gender, as in males typically have higher muscle mass and lower fat mass, which creates a faster metabolism. It's influenced by muscle mass. Again, just like these past two factors. So having a higher muscle mass means your body is requiring more energy at rest, which means you have a higher metabolism. Influenced by body weight, which is a really interesting factor. Again, as I touched on kind of in the introduction, 
it's kind of a myth that people who are overweight or obese have slower metabolisms. A lot of times they actually have higher functioning metabolisms because they have more mass to maintain. So mass and body weight in that sense is a driver of metabolism because the the higher your body weight is, the more mass you have, the more energy it requires to maintain. So as you lose weight, you're losing mass, which actually can slow your metabolism. Okay, so body weight, your metabolism is also influenced by your weight loss history. And this is also going to be a point that we talk about, but losing weight in a very rapid fashion can severely impact your metabolism in a negative way. So we'll get more into that when we talk about that point. But your weight loss history data shows that if you have two people who are the same weight, let's say we have two women, same age, same other anthropometric data, they're both 150 pounds. One woman has been 150 pounds and that's just her natural body type. That is her set point. That's how her body naturally maintains. As she's gone through puberty, she's always been around 150 pounds. Then you have another woman who's also 150 pounds, but she's lost 100 pounds to get there. Research shows that the person who has not had to lose weight to get to a certain body size or maintain their body size has a faster metabolism than the person who has had to lose weight to get there. Even though they are the same body weight, they are the same mass, they're requiring different amounts of energy to maintain that body size. So weight loss history and also the rate that you have achieved that weight loss can influence your metabolism. Metabolism is also influenced by hormones to an extent. And really, we're kind of talking about more your thyroid hormones here. So T3 and T4 can affect the rate at which your metabolism burns. When we're talking about other hormones, really, it's more of a behavioral component when we're looking at the effect that they have on your metabolism. Just like age (laughs) is not inherently a reason that your metabolism slows, different hormones don't necessarily inherently impact your metabolism function unless we're talking about our thyroid hormones. But they can impact the way that you behave around food, the way that you implement exercise and influence your behavior over time, which then creates results that impact your metabolism. And lastly, our metabolism is influenced by our genetics. We all have a different set of genetics that is going to influence the way our body burns energy. And this kind of goes back to weight loss history as well, right? If you have the genetics to be a certain set point size um, and you've never had to worry about losing weight or wanting to lose weight, those genetics are going to impact your metabolism differently than someone who is the same weight and same size as you, but who's had to lose weight to get there. And we all have different genetics. Body diversity exists and is a very, very real thing. So in that way, genetics can affect our metabolism as well. So there are two big numbers to keep in mind when we're talking about metabolism. First is our basal metabolic rate. And this is the largest component of our daily energy demands. Um, 
it is our basal metabolic rate is the energy required to maintain life, not including calories burned during any type of movement or exercise. So our basal metabolic rate, that is the energy that is required for cellular function, for hormone production, for digestion, all of those things that kind of happen in our body without conscious thought that keep our body alive and keep things running the way that it is supposed to. Your basal metabolic rate Those are the calories that your body would burn if you were in laying in a hospital bed in a coma. Your body still needs a significant amount of energy to just maintain your inherent body functions. Again, completely separate from any type of movement or exercise. So that is our basal metabolic rate. And again, that's the largest component of our daily energy demands. So the next number I'm going to talk about is our total daily energy expenditure, our TDEE. So basal metabolic rate is part of your TDEE. Again, it's the biggest chunk of those energy demands. What's different between your basal metabolic rate and your total daily energy expenditure is your TDEE does encompass any type of movement and other exercise that you complete throughout the day. So your BMR is the energy that your body expends completely at rest to maintain inherent basic cellular function. And your total daily energy expenditure also includes movement and exercise. So when we're talking about being in a caloric deficit that can produce weight loss, We're looking for it to be a sweet spot between those two numbers. We never, ever, ever want to dip down lower than our basic basal metabolic needs, right? Because that's what's needed for our body to literally just maintain function. If we are consistently eating much lower or really any lower than our basal metabolic rate, that's when we start seeing extremely detrimental effects of weight loss, like muscle wasting, failed hormone production, bad digestion. You know, you, when people are severely underweight, like their hair is falling out, you can visibly see that their body is not functioning the the way it needs to because it doesn't have the energy to do so. So we never, ever want to be eating below our basal metabolic rate. And I think it's just really important to know that just kind of on average, the average woman who's, you know, like five, seven, between 125 or 140 pounds, an average woman, her BMR is 1400 calories per day. And I love saying this number because it completely blows the notion that we should be eating 1200 calories a day to lose weight out of the water, right? Like if your goal is to be eating in the low thousands, that's too low. (laughs) And you are setting yourself up for failure. Not only is aiming for an extremely low calorie target going to be extremely hard to (laughs) consistently adhere to, but it's absolutely completely unnecessary. You don't want to aim for a target that low because it's not going to be supporting your basic BMR needs. So when we are looking at 
weight loss and what produces weight loss. We want to be in a caloric deficit that is between our BMR and our total daily energy expenditure needs, right? Because as we know, or I think I've touched on this briefly in other podcast episodes, but weight loss is driven by the concept of calories in versus calories out. This is the concept of energy balance. Now, there are so many things on both sides of that equation that make it much more complicated because they influence how we process calories in and how we burn our calories. But it is that simplistic in nature. That is the basic principle of weight loss is energy balance and figuring out where you are in that equation. So if you are eating more calories than your total daily energy expenditure, you will gain weight. If you are eating fewer calories than your total daily energy expenditure, then you will lose weight. And this doesn't happen in a day, (laughs) right? Or even a few days. This is happening on average over weeks and months. So that is the energy balance equation. And if you're eating around the same amount of calories that you are burning per day, then you will maintain your weight. We're always, always, always going to see slight fluctuations on this scale. But if you are fluctuating within a three pound range day to day, then that is probably your maintenance point. And that's what maintaining your weight looks like. You're never going to wake up and step on the scale and see the same exact number every day. What you see on the scale is also influenced by so many different factors. So I think that's another thing that a lot of people kind of get confused about when they're going through the process of pursuing weight loss um, is that it's never going to be linear. What you look for in that process is lower highs and lower lows. So it creates that little stair step that puts you on the trajectory you want to see. But it's never going to be linear. You're never going to step on the scale and see, you know, today I'm 160, tomorrow I'm 159.8, the next day I'm 159.6, and it just continues to go down like that. It's never, ever, ever going to work like that. Some days you're going to get on, you're going to be two pounds up, and then the next day you might be two pounds down, and then the next day you might be half a pound under that. So (laughs) again, we're looking for that stair step of lower highs and lower lows to project the trajectory that we're actually on for for weight loss. Okay. So that's kind of a brief overview of metabolism, things that affect our metabolism, our BMR, our total daily energy expenditure, the energy balance equation, and how weight loss works. So let's talk about a few controllable factors that will support the maintenance of our metabolism through weight loss. And like I've said, weight loss is going to inherently decrease our metabolic needs because we have less mass to maintain. But based on knowing what influences our metabolism, we can focus on four controllable factors that will support its maintenance during weight loss. Okay, here are the four (laughs) factors. We are going to prioritize protein intake. We're going to include weight training. We're going to avoid rapid weight loss. And we're going to employ 
refeed days, and diet breaks. So let's get into each of those and what that looks like and what that means. Okay, why is prioritizing protein intake super important when you're in a caloric deficit, when you are pursuing weight loss? Okay, protein is essential for maintaining muscle mass. And as we know, higher muscle mass equals higher calorie needs. Muscle is a very high maintenance tissue. Your body expends a lot of energy maintaining muscle. So if we're not eating enough protein to maintain the muscle that we have when we're in a caloric deficit, then we're doing our metabolism a disservice. We want most of the weight that we lose when we're in a caloric deficit to be coming from fat mass, not muscle mass. So eating protein is a key way that we can maintain our muscle mass even when we're actively losing weight. So in addition to being the most satiating macronutrient, protein, which means it creates the strongest satiety signals when you are eating enough of it. Your brain releases different satiety signals when we eat different foods or <laughs> or is delayed in producing those signals if we eat different foods. Like for eating a balanced meal with, you know, 30 grams of protein and fibrous vegetables and complex carbohydrates, we're going to experience a strong sense of fullness cues or satiety cues um, in a very timely manner when we're eating that meal. If we're eating something like chips or cookies, things that are highly palatable and send very strong reward signals in our brain, our satiety signals are delayed and they're not timely because those foods affect our brains and are signaling differently. So protein is the macronutrient that sends the most timely and the, the strongest satiety signals when we consume it. So besides the fact <laughs> that protein is going to help us maintain our muscle mass, it's also going to help us adhere to being in a caloric deficit because eating more protein makes us feel fuller than eating other macronutrients. So that's kind of twofold for not only the nutrition science of eating protein, but also the behavioral component that eating more protein can affect as well. When we're looking at protein needs, and again, this is going to be very individual, but typically 0.7 to 1 gram per pound of body weight is a great range to be in when you're looking at eating enough protein to maintain muscle mass and help control the behavioral component that will aid in adherence <laughs> to your caloric deficit over time. Eating more protein or eating closer to that one gram per pound of body weight can go a super long way in helping you feel fuller and helping you adhere to being in your caloric deficit. However, we have to look at the overall balance of our diet too. So if we're not being able to include enough enjoyability or satisfaction in our diet, that can also hinder <laughs> being able to adhere to our diet. So it's a fine balance between finding the amount of protein that's going to work the best for you within that range. But the range of 0.7 to 1 gram per pound of body weight is a really great place to start and will definitely reach that minimum of being able to maintain your muscle mass even when you're going through weight loss. Okay, so that is 
prioritizing protein intake. Secondly, including weight training. And this is almost for (laughs) the same exact reasons as making sure we keep our protein intake high. It's essential for maintaining and building muscle mass. And when we're losing weight, we are in jeopardy of, again, not only losing fat mass, but losing muscle mass. And that is the thing we want to avoid. Maintaining your muscle mass is the biggest thing you can do to help your metabolism continue to function well. So including weight training and a well-programmed hypertrophy program is going to be essential, not only during times of weight loss, of course, across lifespan, across times of maintenance, even across times of surplus, having that exercise regimen built into your routine is truly an essential part of maintaining a healthy body at any point, and especially as we age. So weight training is the superior training method for muscle growth, but it also (laughs) is superior for helping produce the aesthetic results that a lot of people are looking for when they go into a caloric deficit or when they're in a quote-unquote cutting phase. And I think that that has been very misrepresented, especially on social media and and in the media. A lot of people think that it's cardio that's going to get them where they want to go. But it's actually not the case. Vastly increasing your cardio might burn more calories during the time of exercise, but it's actually breaking your muscles down more than it's building them up. So picture this. (laughs) If you're in a caloric deficit and you're not eating enough protein, and you're doing tons of cardio and not focusing on weight training at all, that is not setting you up for success because you're not doing two crucial things that you need to be doing to maintain your muscle mass. So you might lose weight, but you're going to lose a lot of muscle mass along with fat mass. And that's just going to vastly lower your metabolism, which is going to make those results very hard to maintain. And is going to make continuing to produce results very hard to do. Because again, if you're losing mass, you're losing metabolic needs. Your metabolic needs are lower because you have less mass to maintain. But if we're maintaining our muscle mass, then that can offset the effects of losing total mass, right? Because more muscle mass means our bodies require more energy. So We do not want to be going down the low-protein cardio bunny train. Um, We want to be on high-protein and looking at regular strength training, definitely during times when we're, we're trying to lose weight because those are the things that are going to maintain our muscle mass. And that is actually what's going to produce the aesthetic that a lot of people are looking for, which is more lean and visible muscles. You're losing muscles um, while you're losing weight. You're not going to be able to get that toned look that you're trying to achieve because the the muscle's not there. You have to build the muscle (laughs) to then be able to reveal the muscle through doing a caloric deficit. So again, that's why we're really, when we're looking at weight loss, we want to be losing fat mass, not muscle mass, and including weight training and adhering to a hypertrophy training program can go a long, long, long way in helping us achieve those results that we're looking for. Okay, 
the third thing that we can do to support metabolism through times of weight loss is we want to avoid rapid weight loss. So not only, and this is something (laughs) that I tell my clients all the time, the more rapid the results, the less likely they are to be maintainable, right? So what's the point of achieving quick results if you're going to lose those results just as quickly? Rapid weight loss is thought to induce adaptive thermogenesis, which is a type of metabolic adaption. Metabolic adaption is what occurs when you are losing mass and your body starts slowing your BMR. It starts spontaneously reducing your movements, like your fidgeting will be less. You'll experience more tiredness and exhaustion. These are all ways that your body decreases energy expenditure when it realizes it's not getting enough energy over time to support its function. So this is why avoiding rapid weight loss due to slashing your calories below your BMR needs is crucial because not only are those results going to be extremely hard to maintain based on the points that we've already covered, right? Like if you are vastly slashing your calories, that probably indicates that you're not going to get enough protein to maintain your muscles. So the weight that you're losing is muscle mass as well as fat mass. And then when you rapidly lose that weight, adaptive thermogenesis is a phenomenon by which your body reduces heat production to save energy in order to keep you from from starving when food is scarce. (laughs) So it's literally reducing the heat that your body produces. It's reducing the amount of energy that you expend during digestion. It's, again, reducing the amount of movement that you unconsciously participate in day to day. And this adaptive thermogenesis or metabolic adaption is hypothesized to play a role in in high rates of weight regain. So avoiding rapid weight loss and shooting for the goal of about half pound to two pounds per week can prevent this metabolic adaption from occurring because we're able to, number one, eat enough to continue to support our basic metabolic needs. We're able to eat enough protein to maintain our muscle mass, which keeps our metabolic function intact. And we're able to produce results in a sustainable way that are going to make the outcomes maintainable. And that is the whole point of the pursuit of weight loss, right? You want the results that you achieve to be maintainable for years after that point. The more rapidly we're losing weight, the less likely it is that we're going to be able to maintain those results. And it can have a very negative impact on your metabolism. And it takes time and effort to reduce those effects. And lastly, point number four, employing refeed days and diet breaks during your time of active weight loss. Refeed days and diet breaks are interspersed periods of energy balance during the pursuit of weight loss, which means you're just going to bump your calories up to maintain your current mass. 
for those few days or for that week or however long that period of time is, we're going to be eating at our maintenance point. So we're going to take our body out of a caloric deficit and literally just give it a break from the continued weight loss that a caloric deficit provides. This helps maintain our metabolic function because it minimizes the odds of inducing metabolic adaption. So the longer you are in a caloric deficit, the greater the odds are that your body will experience some sort of metabolic adaption. Using refeed days and diet breaks can help minimize those odds and minimize the effects of metabolic adaption so that you can continue to produce results again without having to vastly decrease your intake to get there. Another perk, and this is kind of the behavioral element of refeed days and diet breaks, is that they make adherence much more achievable. So for many of my clients, you know, we'll be in a caloric deficit for five or six days during the week. And then one day a week, we will go up to our maintenance point. And when you know you have that day that's at your disposal or that you can use at your leisure, it reduces the perfectionistic tendencies that tracking or that being in a caloric deficit can produce. So it can make hitting your targets throughout the week a lot easier if you know you have that day to either look forward to or if something goes awry and something comes up and you end up going over your targets, that's totally okay because we have one of those repeat days built in and you know that it's not going to sabotage your efforts. It's actually going to help in maintaining your metabolic function and helping with adherence throughout the week. So a lot of my clients uh, will use refeed days and then diet breaks. It's the same concept, only it's a, a longer chunk of time. So, you know, diet breaks can be employed, you know, one every eight weeks or so, one every eight to 12 weeks, really just depending on how you're feeling and what your results are looking like. But there's a lot of research behind refeed days and diet breaks and the benefit that they have in being able to minimize the effects of metabolic adaption and then help in continuing to produce results once you come back from your diet break or your refeed day. So um, it's kind of the, the same concept of like a rest week when you're weight training or when you're working out. And a lot of times you come back and you're feeling stronger after you take that rest week. Refeed weeks, refeed days are truly the same concept. It gives your body a period of time to have more energy, gives your mind a mental break from adhering to your caloric deficit. And a lot of times you come back from that period of time feeling more motivated and you can then continue producing results because you have taken the steps to mitigate the effects of any type of metabolic adaption that can be experienced through prolonged periods of being in a caloric deficit. Okay, those are the four ways that we can support our metabolism through weight loss. So if you have any questions about this process, if you're interested in going through this process together, I am taking one-on-one coaching clients. It's going to look a little bit different as I navigate my pregnancy and I'm getting closer to the point 
of the birth of my daughter, Mary Kate. She's going to be here before we know it. But please feel free to follow the links in the show notes to reach out and let's talk about how we can work together and how we can produce maintainable results in a sustainable way that's going to support your metabolism through this process so that you wind up in a place where your mind, your body continues to be healthy and your metabolism is still functioning super well, even after a period of active weight loss. So feel free to reach out, email me, message me on Instagram. Let me know if you'd want to set up a coaching call and we will chat and I can hear about your goals and you can hear more about this process and we can get something set up. Until next time, I'll see y'all on episode 11. But wait, (laughs) before you go, I'd love it if you'd share this episode with a friend who needs it. And to make sure we stay connected, find me on social media at hopewell underscore health. Or for more information about my nutrition coaching services, check out my website, hopewellhealth.online. And always remember, you are smart, capable, and talented. You have what it takes. I'm just here to educate and encourage you along the way. Catch you next time.